Um, this morning, I'm going to be sharing about biblical womanhood, okay? So we've been talking about marriage and, and family. And listen, I am not sharing about biblical womanhood because I am an expert, okay? <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, this young buck does not have it all figured out, okay? I have learned a lot from some of my heroes in the faith, like my mother, Mary Ellen, Cheryl Jones, Eunice, and so many others who are here today, and I can't mention them all. So what I'm sharing today is not from a position of being an expert, but from a position of being a student of the Word of God and a student of what others do right and trying to learn. I always tell Chris, like, listen, Chris, I'm learning right now. She's telling me stories about her life because her children are older than mine. And I'm like, okay, I'm taking notes in my head. I'm learning, okay, how to do this. And um, I'm just so thankful that God has placed those people in my life. So if you have your... Um, your Bibles today, if you could turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. It's just a very short passage of scripture that I've been reading in my own personal devotions, and the Lord has just been speaking to me through this scripture, and I'm so thankful for that. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Paul is ending his first letter to the church of Thessalonica, right? And... Um, he almost always ends his letters with some practical advice, which I so appreciate about Paul. Because, you know, sometimes Paul's like, I was in the third heaven. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, I can't, I've never been there, you know. But he always gives some practical advice at the end, which I so also appreciate, okay. So First Thessalonians says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Lord, bless your word today. So this, this scripture obviously applies to everyone everywhere. So men, no excuse to check out, okay? But my examples and my applications today are going to be more for women. No nudging. DJ, I don't want to hear too many loud amens back there, okay? Just, you know, we can all listen, but it's going to be more applicable uh, for women today, Carlos said. Amen. All right, so... Um, so let's start at the beginning. Obviously, we have three points here. Our first point is rejoice always, okay? Rejoice always. Joy is such a necessary character trait in the life of a believer. You see it all throughout Scripture. Joy. Let your joy. Joy. And this is not always easy. Can I get an amen? And for some personalities, possibly, it's easier to exude joy, even if you don't have it, deep in your heart, right? And uh, for some, it's harder. But in general, it is hard to experience a life of continual joy, okay? So when Paul was writing this letter, he hadn't experienced much hardship yet, okay? So this is one of his first letters that he wrote. And he wasn't in prison. And he wa I don't think he had been, like, shipwrecked yet and beaten like he was later on, okay? So you think, well, Paul, you know, I mean, he said rejoice always, but later on, maybe it got a little harder. But then you see in his prison epistles in Philippians where he takes this to the next level, right? In Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again rejoice, right? So uh, I was typing out my notes and the kids were like, are you writing a song? I was like, no, Israel wrote that song, but it's from the Bible, okay? So it's a good song. I like that song. But um, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he's writing that from prison, okay? So Paul gets it. Whether in good times or in bad, the instruction is from, right, the Holy Spirit who spoke through Paul for us as believers to rejoice always, okay? 
So what does rejoice mean, okay? It means to feel or show, to feel or show great joy or delight. So what he's saying is we should be feeling or showing great joy or delight always, okay? So I was thinking to myself, well, what's the opposite of joy, right? And the opposite of joy is not sadness because you can be filled with sadness or grief, and still have a deep-seated joy. How many of you have been there, right? Through grief, through loss, through hardships, trials, financial difficulties, you find yourself filled with a deep-seated joy that comes only from Jesus. So the opposite of joy is not sadness. And as I was asking the Lord, Lord, show me, because sometimes it helps to see those counterbalances. What is the opposite of joy? And I felt like the Lord showed me that the opposite of joy is discontentment. Because in the midst of discontentment, there cannot be deep-seated joy. What is discontentment? It's the continual condition of being dissatisfied. If we live in a continual condition of being dissatisfied, we will lack joy in our lives. And that will affect everyone and everything around us. Where can joy not be present in the midst of discontentment? It's going to eat away at your home. It's going to suck the life out of your kids, out of your roommates, out of your parents, out of your family. If you live a life of continual dissatisfaction with everything that you have, that you've been given, that you are, you will lack joy, and it will suck the joy out of everyone around you. So I was just thinking about women and how in women, I believe that God built us, within us, an innate desire to love beautiful things and to want to improve things. When I love buying, oh, poor DJ, I love buying old houses and fixing them up. Well, I love buying old houses and then asking DJ to fix them up, which is super fun, right? Because you see the potential. That's why I love mowing the lawn. You know, it's like it, the grass is high, and then it's like you, and you can see every line. You can see your progress. As women, we love that, right? I love to see improvement. That's why I married DJ, so I could improve him. You know what I mean? It's like I see such potential, and I just, you know, I'm gonna, just gonna work it. It is true, though. You know what I mean? Like you see, you see a good man. Wait till he gets married. He's a really good man, okay? That's the truth, okay? <laughs> so as women, we have to balance. <laughs> you get that man, you get him some new pants, some new shoes. Woo! <laughs> He's a dime. Okay, all right. So I learned that from Sandra. All right. Um, but because we have within us, I believe God gave this to us. So it's, it's not evil, right? our love for beautiful things and our love for improvement, but we have to learn how to balance our love for improvement and our love for beauty with contentment. And that is difficult to do, right? Because when you see how things could be and you just can't seem to get there, sometimes it's difficult to live in the midst of that. But that is what true contentment is, right? And I know Tim Tebow really made it popular, Philippians 4.13. But what is Philippians 4.13 really talking about? Contentment, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Well, what's the context of that verse? I have learned to be content whether I have much or whether I have little, whether I am hungry or whether I am full. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Why? Because discontentment is like the hardest thing to push through and to give to Jesus and to come out on the other side filled with satisfaction with what the Lord has given you. 
But I'm telling you, women, we can do all things through Christ. And that means becoming content with the situation in our lives, with our children, with our singleness, with our homes, with our job situations. And that doesn't mean that we're not looking to improve. That just means that we say, Lord, thank you. I rejoice in where I am and in what I have right now, okay? So uh, sometimes as women, I don't know if anybody else ever does, you know, you come home and it's like, so you've been home all night and the dishes, you know, they're not done, you know? And then the clothes are on the floor in the bathroom. And it's like, so, so you, and once you get in that mode, it's hard to get out of, but <sighs> am I a maid? I don't get paid enough for this. Oh my gosh. Like, do I really have to pick this up again? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And then it's like, it's like a steam, you're steamrolling down a hill and you just can't stop yourself. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, we got to escape those patterns of discontentment and, and teach our husbands how to pick their clothes up off the floor. You know what I mean? But like, you know, you just keep going and you show continual, it's not going to, Aaron said it's not going to happen. You show you continual delight in your children, in your home, in your parents, in your situation. And you ask the Lord to help you to do that. Cause that does, does that come naturally in my flesh? That does not come naturally. This can only be supernatural by the spirit of God. So you're like, Laura, if I don't feel that, how am I supposed to show it? Well, that's the key, right? We ask God. That's what the Bible says. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault. He'll give you whatever you need. And what, what prayer could please the heart of the Father more than for you to ask him, Lord, teach me contentment. Teach me how to show continual joy, how to rejoice always. I mean, whew, if my kid came up and said, Mom, really need you to help me to show joy always in every situation, I'd be like, do you want a pony? Because I will also give you a pony, okay? I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like there are certain things that you just really appreciate. Yes. And sometimes God allows us to go through seasons where we cannot have what we want so that it can be revealed what is in our hearts, right? That's what God said to the Israelites. He said, I brought you out into the desert to test you, not because the Lord didn't know what was in their hearts, but because they didn't know what was in their hearts, how they would long for the leeks and whatever fish and weird stuff that they liked that they had in Egypt, right? And it's, there's like, oh my gosh, I'm just, I just wish we had some leeks. I mean, who says that, you know? You don't know that's in your heart until you're out in the desert and you don't have anything but manna, and then you realize you like leeks, you know? So the Lord brings us to these places sometimes where we literally cannot have what we want so that it can be revealed in our hearts that we lack joy and he can bring us to the place of full contentment. And a lot of times after that, he, he does give us the desires of our hearts. But sometimes we get stuck in those patterns of not having what we want. And I feel like the Lord lets us stay there until we learn the lesson he's trying to teach us. Just like the Israelites in the wilderness going around that mountain. We were talking about this on Wednesday night. Whew, it was awesome. Oh, going around the same bush, around the same mountain sometimes, because the Lord longs that we would learn how to rejoice always and how to be fully content in where he has placed us in our lives. So if you are lacking contentment, if you, if you don't know how to rejoice, just confess. Ask God to forgive you, right? And then ask him, Lord, fill me with contentment. Fill me with joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we're lacking joy, we feel weak, right? We feel powerless to change our attitudes. I felt powerless to change. I remember one time after I had that fourth kid, I was like, 
DJ, I think I'm depressed. And he was like, you think? I was like, oh, I didn't know it was that obvious. Sorry. But you know what I mean? It's like you got to ask the Lord. Lord, fill me with joy and confess and ask for forgiveness, right? And repent and turn the other way away from, from that. So let me just ask you, from woman to woman, okay, what marks your life? If you were to ask your friends, your family, your spouse, your, your roommate, your parents, what do you think I'm defined by? Joy or discontentment? And then really let, you know, I'll ask you about that later. Really let the Lord speak to your heart, you know what I mean? And then move forward from that, okay? So that's the first thing that Paul says, rejoice always, okay? The next thing in the next verse in 17 is pray without ceasing, okay? Now this is one of the scriptures that I'm like, I mean, Paul was single, right? I've, he had a lot more time than I had, okay? But he says, pray without ceasing, okay? And this seems to be a command, right? It's not just like a suggestion. It is what the Lord would ask of us to pray without ceasing, okay? This is the meat inside of the sandwich, right? Without, without the meat, we, there's no point in eating bread. I know some of y'all ate some mayonnaise sandwiches, but without the meat, some air sandwiches, <laughs> Without the meat, there's no point in eating a sandwich, okay? So without the praying without ceasing, you can't rejoice always, and you can't give thanks in all circumstances, okay? That's why this is smack dab in the middle, because the Lord is like, listen, this is super important. Without this, you can't have these. It's like the tent pole that holds up. I've never been good at putting up tents, but it's, you know, in the middle there, okay? So these, the other things that the Lord is asking us are not possible without praying without ceasing, Okay? So if we're thinking of prayer as petitioning the Lord for our requests, then this is not possible nor probably wanted by the Lord, okay? It's not like every moment he's like, ask me for something else. He'll go, oh, ask me for something. You know what I mean? It's not like the father's like, okay, all right, now ask me for Mercedes, okay? All right, now, now, okay, ask me for a piano. You know what I mean? That's not what this is, okay? This is continual communion with the Lord, Okay? Praying without ceasing, not petitioning, but spending our lives in communion with the Lord. The old timers, like Brother Andrew and all them, they called it practicing the presence of the Lord. And they believed that you could get to the point where you were in such communion with God that every moment your spirit and the spirit of the Lord are like talking to one another, which sounds a little out there sometimes. You know what I mean? So I was reading some commentaries on this. I don't know who said this, sorry. But I thought it was so good, okay? So, he's, so this is just a little biblical commentary on this scripture, okay? The more we understand what prayer is, the less we feel that it depends upon utterance or upon speaking, because speaking out prayers without ceasing is not possible, the essence of it is to have heart and mind filled with the consciousness of God's presence and to have the habit of referring everything to him in the moment when we are doing it or when it meets us. That, as I take it, is prayer. The old mystics had a phrase, quaint and in some sense unfortunate but very striking. They said, practice the presence of God. God is always here, you will say. Yes, he is. And to open the shutters and to let the light always in, into every corner of my heart and every detail of my life. That is what Paul means by praying without ceasing. 
to let the light of God in, in every moment, into every corner of our lives, that's what it means to pray without ceasing. Sometimes it seems like a dauntless challenge, okay? But I feel like for women especially, because our brains never turn off, you know what I mean? Like if I was a man and I was in my nothing box for a couple hours, it'd be, it'd be hard to pray without ceasing, you know what I mean? When <laughs> I'm like, babe, are you playing a game on your phone? He's like, listen, this is time sensitive. I'm taking over the world right now, okay? And I have to do this at a certain time. It's like, <laughs> okay, I under- it's time sensitive. You know what I mean? It's like important. <laughs> But for women, we, our, our brains never shut off. You know what I mean? It's like spaghetti, and it's all interconnected, and it's like, so I got to go grocery shopping. Oh, don't forget that Jesus loves orphans. Okay, yeah, and I got to get this thing. You know what I mean? And everything's like all like woven together. So in every moment when we can't shut our brains off, we're inviting the Lord into every situation, right? into every moment, into everything, as we're walking with our children, as we're changing diapers, as we're at our jobs, at work, as we're, whatever it is that we're doing, we're asking, inviting the Lord into every situation. I remember being in this staff meeting, and it was mostly men, and this guy was like, if you don't wake up in the morning and spend a couple hours with the Lord, literally, what are you doing in ministry? And I thought, oh my gosh. I can't get up any early. Uh, you know what I mean? At the time, I was sleeping maybe five hours, and I was grumpy most of the time, and I thought, I got to get out. You know what I mean? I got to get out of the ministry. And, so, and then uh, Chris Burtock was like, uh, excuse me. Uh, I just have a thought about that. She was like, you know, when you're taking care of children or you have other responsibilities and you're in a different season of your life, sometimes those things aren't possible. But to practice the presence of the Lord in everything while you're washing the dishes, while you're driving to work, while you're talking to your friends, while you're playing golf and doing good, while you're walking along the road with your children, while you're working, whatever it is that you're doing, practicing the presence of the Lord. And, yes, we should strive, right, to get up early and to spend time with the Lord. And when I, when I don't have the ability to do that, I, I struggle more because that time with the Lord is so important. But, not, but to realize, pray without ceasing. Invite the presence of the Lord in every moment of our lives. Practicing, giving every thought. You know, when that worry comes, because what can we do about it? It doesn't add a single moment to our lives. We can't fix anything, right, to give that to the Lord in that first instant. Oh, my gosh, what, Lord, I give that to you. I just give it to you. I trust you with this. I trust you with my marriage. I trust you with my children. Every moment. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray in the spirit at all times with every kind of prayer and petition. Stay alert with all perseverance in your prayers for all the saints. So pray in the spirit, right? Which sometimes our prayers start out as carnal. Like, God, if you don't get them, someone's going to die today, okay? That might be not what praying without ceasing means. But it's a start, you know what I mean? It's like those carnal prayers that make way and come into the spirit. Like, Lord, if my coworker says one more thing to me, one of us ain't coming out of here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Jesus, get them. You know, Lord, curse them with an infectious disease, Okay. But that's, we, we need to pray in the spirit, right? We take those carnal prayers that we're feeling. We've all felt them, okay? Truthful, truth. And we let the Lord take those carnal fleshly prayers and help transition them into spiritual prayers, right? And he will do that. He loves us enough to help us do that, to take us from, Lord, I'm going to kill somebody 
I will cut you to, Jesus, I thank you that my children are going to make it out of here alive and we're all going to serve the Lord and, you know, bless the people of my house and, you know, whatever else. So just as he... Uh, just as he will give us the ability to rejoice always, he will help and teach us, right? That's what the disciples, Jesus was teaching this stuff, and they're like, I don't get it. And they're like, teach us, you know? That's what David said in the Psalms. Lord, I'm your child. Teach me how to walk in your ways. And he will, okay? So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, okay? And then the third one, give thanks in all circumstances. So uh, it seems that rejoicing and giving thanks in all circumstances are both connected, both equally difficult, and both dependent upon living in the presence of the Lord, okay? We see throughout Scripture, and listen, I don't want this to be a time of condemnation, okay? But I feel like the Lord feels very, very seriously about grumbling. When you see throughout Scripture, right, you see when people had a grumbling spirit, the Lord moved very quickly and often very firmly, almost harshly, but not because he's merciful, against people who had a grumbling spirit. When you saw Aaron and Miriam grumbling against Moses, what happened to them? They, they got leprosy all over. And, then, and Moses had to pray for them to be healed, right? That grumbling spirit. When you see... Um, the people of God were, I, they were building the wall, right, Nehemiah. And then you saw Sanballat and Tobiah, and they were coming against, and they were grumbling and complaining and saying, you'll never do this. You're never, you know, you're never going to accomplish this, blah, blah, blah. And it was like you could feel the Lord's dissatisfaction for them. When Judas was grumbling, right, he was like, mm, we shouldn't let people spend this kind of money. Shouldn't we be giving to the poor? I mean, obviously, he, we find out later he was stealing money. That's probably why he didn't want them. But he was grumbling in his heart against Jesus, you know? And Cain was grumbling against Abel. Why does God love Abel's sacrifice better than mine, you know? And then you see that the Lord's blessing was on Abel and not on Cain. The Lord feels very strongly about grumbling. I was reading in, in Jude where it says that if you grumble and find fault, that you will experience judgment. And it's like, Lord... Sometimes this is just such a natural, it's, it is, it's a natural tendency of our heart to grumble, to find fault, and to complain. But for the people of God, this is, I, I don't want to say like an abomination, but it is, it is despised by the Lord. A grumbling heart is despised by the Lord. Yes, it's an offense to him. And, and that is, tough, right? I mean, it, I, I have been guilty, so guilty. And the Lord wants to bring us freedom from that grumbling spirit. And I believe that often it is spiritual, right? Okay, so, so I was thinking about this, like there are many things about God that we didn't know until Jesus came to the earth. Like we didn't know about the humility of the father until he chose for his son to be born in a stable. Colossians says that Jesus is the exact representation of the father, right? So everything that we see in Jesus is existent in the father. And one thing that I didn't know about the father is that the father has a grateful heart, right? When Jesus came to the earth, you always see Jesus breaking bread and thanking the father. You see, um, one time he was out talking to the 
Pharisees, and then he just breaks out in joyful song. I thank you, Father, that you have revealed these things to children and that you have closed the eyes of the religious ones that they cannot see. Jesus was always so filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. So if Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, then the Father is also filled with gratitude. I don't know what that means, but I know that when I was younger, I always felt like, because you know that uh, that verse, uh, that uh, parable always stuck with me. So the servant's out working all day, right? And he comes in, and he wants to sit down. And it's like, you don't get to sit down. Go and serve the master dinner. And I thought, man, like, I don't think that God is ever thankful for the work that I do. But I feel like that was bondage for me. Because when you think about who Jesus is and who God is, he's thankful. And as I ask the Lord to free me from that stronghold, sometimes when I'm just like going out of my way to love on my kids or to do things sacrificially for the Lord, I feel, which take it or leave it, this isn't totally biblical. This is just what I feel in my heart from the Lord. Like God is saying, thanks for doing that. Thanks, you went, you went out of your way. Not that he has to thank me because I got to do it because I'm his servant, but I'm also his son. And I'm also his friend. And he says to me, thanks. God's heart is filled with gratitude, and so should ours be. This is who we should be, people filled with gratitude, who give thanks in all circumstances, and who put an end to grumbling, period, period. And this is something that we have to help each other with because often we don't even see this about ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see it about myself. I just feel like I needed to vent. And so, therefore, it's, I'm just going to spew out all my, like, throw up onto you about how I feel about my life. You know what I mean? And, I, you know, we do have to have times where we can speak honestly about how we feel. But to not allow that to become a spirit of grumbling in our lives. One of my favorite philosophers, Veggie Tales, says, a thankful heart is a happy heart. Something, something, something. It's an easy way to start. I, you should know all the words, but it's a thankful heart is a happy heart, right? That's the truth. I was like, ooh, Jesus just spoke to me through this kid's video, okay? But a thankful heart's a happy heart. If you feel like your heart is always weighted down, ask God to give you some gratitude, for, who, for what you have, for his son, for the blood, for the cross, for the, that you were born in America, that you have food to eat, that the homeless in America eat better than half of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like gratitude to God for the things that he's done and for who he is. A thankful heart is a happy heart. And that is God's will. So give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you. It's like, Lord, what's your will for me? Okay. Boom. Mic drop. God's will is for us to give thanks in all circumstances. And as I was reading what that word will means, in the Greek, it's not actually like this is God's command for you. It's this is what pleases him. So do if you love him. I was like, okay. It pleases the Lord for me to give thanks in all circumstances. And if I love him, this is what I'm going to do. Right? And sometimes... It's a slow transition, right, from a grumbling spirit to a thankful heart. And that's okay. That's all right. We got to get there somehow, some way, right? But we ask the Lord, Lord, help me bit by bit every day to get from this place where I am to being thankful in all circumstances. And he will get you there by his spirit. He will give you the self-control to sh shut our mouths, right, 
to stop complaining, but then also to change our hearts, right? Matthew 12, 34 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So if we are speaking words of complaint and grumbling, it's because our hearts are filled with complaint and grumbling, right? So it's obvious that's what's there. So it's not, it doesn't just work, like Pastor was saying about speaking life. It doesn't just work to shut your mouth because your heart isn't the same. Jesus has never been about outward change. He's not like, hey, come to me, get some better pants, don't wear mini skirts, stop smoking. You know what I mean? No, Jesus is like, come to me, right, and I will make you like me. And he does the work, the inward work first, and then the outward follows, right? So it's not like just quit complaining. It's like, Lord, change my heart and make it like yours, right? I don't want to come into agreement with the accuser of the brethren, the enemy who was always complaining. And that's what the Lord was showing me. Who am I coming to, into agreement with? Either I am coming into agreement with the Father who is always thankful, or I am coming into agreement with the enemy who is always accusing, complaining, accusing, finding fault complaining, accusing, finding fault. That's who the enemy of our soul is. And when we are speaking, we are speaking life or death, blessings or curses, coming into agreement with the enemy or with the spirit of God. So just saying, Lord, change my heart, right? I don't want just an outward change that doesn't affect who I am as a person. I want that inward change what that, that only can be wrought by the spirit of God. And he will do that because he is both supernatural and practical. He will give you both supernaturally, change our hearts and give us gratitude and also practically give us words that are words of affirmation and blessing and encouragement instead of words of fault finding and discouragement and complaint. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God for you and for me in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, let's stand together. If you could, if you uh, feel comfortable and, you know, whatever, would you just lift your hands to the Lord with me just in this moment? Father, right now we come into agreement with the Spirit of God. And we reject all grumbling and discontentment. And we receive the Spirit of God. For the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Help us to see ourselves clearly, Father to not deny where we are at, and to not let ourselves be filled with discouragement when we see it, but to move forward in you, becoming more like you. We want to be people of God, filled with joy, always showing continual delight. We thank you for this, Lord. For this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. This is your will. That we would be filled with such gratitude and such joy. That it would mark our lives and that it would seep into everyone around us, Lord. Joy. That our homes would be places filled with joy. That our lives would be marked by it, Lord. 
I pray for my friends today, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord, wherever we're at in this walk, to come a little closer, to step a little closer to you, Lord Jesus, to let go a little more and to walk more closely with you, Jesus. We reject all the ways of the flesh, all those carnal ways, Lord God. We come running to you. We want to live and walk by the Spirit of God. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to respond to the altars this morning, if you need to just hash it out with the Lord, if you need to confess or repent, or you need to just come before God and spend some time with him, these altars are open, and I encourage you to do that. We're going to have time to do that. I just want to bless you and pray for you as you go, but uh, spend some time with the Lord if you need to. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bless my friends. I bless them with the revelation of Jesus Christ. I bless them with a life that reflects yours. I bless them with an understanding of who the Father is. I bless each of them right now with a thankful and grateful heart that is shown in everything that they do, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and that you would give them more and more of yourself for those who seek you with their whole hearts will find you. And I thank you for this, Lord. We just bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. What a good work. And we bless God this morning. Amen. Amen. And bless you guys. Have a good day. I'd like to welcome you again. The altars are open. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Amen.